You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. May that sound be ever so sweet in our ear, Holy Spirit, as you speak to us. And may we speak to you in like tones as we wonder in the glory of the fellowship of the Spirit in the body of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Gosh, what a great set. Thank you, team. What's summer been like for you? How many got sunburned already? None? Like, what is wrong with a couple? Well, maybe you live in Oregon. Could be. I don't know. Uh, summer's been pretty intense for me. This was just recently. This is Elizabeth and me headed to where? Paris, Paris France. Father, granddaughter trip, grandfather, granddaughter. And we got upgraded to first class right off the bat. I get, I'm going to travel with Elizabeth all the time. It's amazing. It's so cool. And we just had a great time. Of course, you have to take this picture, don't you? And just, you know, let the Eiffel Tower grow to your head. And uh, that was the end of a long day, long day, as we'd flown the whole flight and then went to Eiffel Tower that afternoon. We walked down the Seine away and saw the third Statue of Liberty. Did you know there are three of them? One was in New York Harbor. One was in Dorsey Museum, which we saw in the mo- earlier. And as we walked down the Seine, we saw the third Statue of Liberty. And just a lot of things to do, grandpa, granddaughter, a lot of talks, a lot of interactions. And we stayed with Nicole Nicholas and Priscilla Rinderconnect, World Venture Missionaries, French citizens, longtime friends. And this is their little backyard in their home in Nocielle, France, east of uh, Paris, just in the suburbs there. Just had a great time talking together. Uh, just a rich, rich, rich time. But this is the end of it. Yeah. This is after a long flight back in LAX and a long layover, three hours there, and Elizabeth was done. So the goofy grandpa looked, yep, that's me, absolutely. And then this past weekend, Saturday, we did this. This is my son David and Nicole, our oldest granddaughter, doing a little thing called a wedding. And man, it was great. Bright, bright, bright sunshine. And you can still see the effect of that on my arms. Immunotherapy makes me sensitive to sound. And I had quite a rash, even though I had a handkerchief over, sunscreen slathered everywhere, because I wanted to be a part of this. David did the wedding. He looked at Colton and said, Colton, marriage is like disc golf. (laughs) And unpack that. He looked at Nicole, his daughter, and said, Nicole, marriage is like crocheting. And unpacked that. <laughs> it was so fun. Her bouquet and all the flowers there, she crocheted every single one of them. It was months long. And you can, it's a beautiful bouquet that she's holding there. And this is the family. So Nathaniel and Joy on the other side. Uh, Colton and Nicole in the middle and then David and Samantha, who celebrated their 30th wedding anniversary just two days after Nicole's wedding. So it's quite a time. Now look at this picture and just, you know, this is a helper thing. This is a helper thing. Colton's a fairly new Christian, and he is just so excited about Jesus. Nicole's been passionate her whole life. David and I have done Father-Son at Men's Roundup, Save the Date, guys, September 8 through 10, 
Tadmore. It's an amazing place to go. David and I have done this as father-son thing for the past decade. I've been involved with Roundup for a long time. But this time, it's going to be Nathaniel and Colton, David and me. It's going to be three generations together. It's a great time to do this and celebrate together. You celebrate the helper thing. And that's our passage today, is the helper, the promised helper. So I read John 14, beginning at verse 15, as we look at God's word together. Jesus saying, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. On that day when you realize I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and they will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to my Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of the world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may he learn that I love my Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. This is a, I'm in packed, packed passage. And they give me 35 minutes to unpack it. I mean, is there any justice in the world? The answer is no. <laughs> no, not at all. But he begins the foundational thing. There are notes, by the way, in the resource table for you. They're out there in, where are you, in TV land. Uh, you can get them at the, on the app page or on the bottom of the web page. You look at notes there, and the, the notes fill in the blank. Things are there. There are two identities. And one of the identities here he begins with the world cannot accept him, that is the spirit of truth, because neither sees him nor knows him. And what he's talking about here is one identity that is of the world. Now, world can be used in a lot of different ways. World can be what we call the planet, just the physical earth. It can be just people. Uh, 
or it can be the system that's aligned against God. That's what he's talking about here. At this point, he's talking about the people that would not receive Jesus in his day and still true in our day. And the reality is John 3.16, which all you guys have been around church for a while know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus died for that world that has rejected him and crucifies him. I mean, this is the manner of love we're talking about. Is God loves the world so much that people rebel him and are going to kill him that he will die to take their sins so they can have fellowship with him. That's the world. And that's one identity. I get my meaning and my friendship from not being with Jesus. But there's another. You, in that case, just a few disciples in this intimate talk that he's having called the Upper Rim Discourse. The you is children of God. And that's a different crowd. Now, in one sense, we're all children of God. We're his creation. And he, Jesus died for us. That's true. But these are people saying, I don't need God. I'm doing good, actually. The world will not see me. That's one crowd. You will see me. That's the children of God. I want to see God. Big time. Jesus says this, I'm leaving, but I will not leave you as orphans. Why? You're of me. He goes on and ends up, because I live, you will live. And see, that's the other identity. He unpacks it further in John chapter 1, as he's in, John is introducing all those who did receive him, that is Jesus, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How do you become from world to Jesus as my identity? Well, here it is. That believing is an active living trust. You will be children who are born of God. It's like being born into a brand new family. And that's what he's talking about. First Peter chapter 1. For you have been born again. There's that phrase again as Peter is using it. Not as perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. See, this is born into a new family, the family of God through Jesus Christ. So born of God. And how does that happen? Well, it relates to what we're talking about in this passage, the promised Holy Spirit. Paul puts it this way in Titus. When the kindness and love our God, our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. So we see the kindness, the mercy, the salvation of God. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. There you get all the Trinity involved in this thing. Whom he poured on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. The promised comforter who's going to come and wash us and make us new. So we're children of God, born of spirit, and born of God. And the identity statement here. I mean, identity today is a huge question. Who am I? Now, for us old folk, no problem at all. I'm a Brashear, so I'm from Brashear's Valley, Ozarks of Missouri, five generations, that's who I am. 
Uh, you know, I've got all kinds of stuff that are identity points in me, but amazing for my grandkids is a huge issue. It's a different world today because we're so individualized. Who am I? And Jesus said, I don't leave you as orphans. But he goes on, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. Who is Jesus? He is the one who is in the Father, from the Father, come to the world to provide forgiveness of sin, honor for shame, belonging for lostness. And this way he said, you are in me. See, that's the fundamental identity statement. Now, I could look at myself and see a lot of different things about me. I am grandfather, and I'm a happy grandfather. That's a big thing for me. I'm husband of Sherry. I'm pastor of pastors. I can add a number of things to my identity statement. This is a fundamental one. I am in Christ, child of the Lord Most High. And not only that, Jesus says, I am in you. Now, that somehow I'm in the sphere of God's family. I can kind of make sense of that. But Jesus is saying, the crucified, risen Lord, I am in you. He's saying that about me and about you that are children of God. And some of you here, some of you online or listening, you can't say this yet. You're an investigator. You wouldn't be here. But I tell you, it's an amazingly rich place to be. That's what Jesus is talking about. You are in me and I am in you. That fundamental identity statement. Who am I? Who has my back? Who cares if things are not going well? Who cares if things are going so super well, but it's so precious I can only give to somebody inside? I've still got the boutonniere that Nicole made for me crocheted brutineer that I wore last Saturday. That will be a treasure in me forever. And that's a key point is I'm connected with Nicole, but it's way more important I'm connected with God through Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about here in these two identities. I ran across this book this week, Identity Theft. Melissa Kruger is the editor. It's, a, it's 13 studies, all done by amazing women. It's a credible book. I didn't even know about it until I just saw it from Gospel Coalition. But if you're looking for a book on identity, this is very well done. It's done as a study. It could be done as a home group study or personal study. But it's just a great thing, identity, and what that means to us as believers. Identity theft uh, from Gospel Coalition, edited by Melissa Kruger. It's just really well done. He says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Now, that's a huge word. In the Greek word, there is parakletos. Aren't you impressed that this is parakletos? And it doesn't fit on my slide there this morning, even though I embedded fonts in the PowerPoint. Oh, well. That's what NIV translates it as. NIV 2011, the translation we use. If I look at other translations, you might find comforter. And that's the King James way of translating parakletos. If you look in, you might find counselor. That's what you find in the Christian Standard Version, for example. A very good, another good translation. You might find somewhere, you might find helper. You find that in NS New American Standard and English Standard Version, the helper, all of those. And if you look back in 
You might find advocate capitalized. That's what you find in the New Living Bible, New Revised Standard. And you find in different translations, these are all good translations, you find different terms to try to express the fullness of this. So I just simplified the whole thing. Let's call it paraclete. Okay, let's just get rid of all the problems and just call it paraclete and put that in there. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. Does that help you at all? You all know what paraclete means, right? It's a word you use every day, don't you? No. It is a really rich word, and it shows us the power of what this helper does, this advocate, this paraclete. I want to unpack this with you a little bit as we look through this. He talks about another advocate who is the spirit of truth. Now, Jay did a good job last week of helping you understand what truth means as Jesus talks about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. By the way, are you here, Jay? Good, he's not. He doesn't trust me. Did you hear it last week? Jay does not trust me. Go back and listen to the sermon if you didn't get it. That man does not trust me. He said to right in front of all of you. Is that truth or what? Go listen to the sermon. It was fun. The spirit of truth because he speaks what is absolutely true in the cosmos. In this one, the spirit of truth. Well, later in this passage, both the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So a spirit of truth who teaches us. Now, it says to teach us all things. Uh, I've got a problem in my house. I've looked at like a big problem. What do I do about ants crawling in my basement? And I prayed to Jesus, and I said, show me how to deal with the ants. And what did he say? What did he say? Google. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Apparently he doesn't know about ants. No. <laughs> See, this is not, he teaches all things, but what he's doing here in this teaching is not him making up for my lack of it, because I can get that information most anywhere. What he's saying is, I will teach you the things that are important. I will teach you as your child of God. I will teach you what the Word of God means in your life, how to apply it in my life. Because one of the things it says in there for me is how to be a word of blessing to people. What do I do when somebody is really mad at me? Called my granddaughter Elizabeth on the trip to Paris. We had a full range of emotions going in that trip. And I, we were at Dorsay, and I decided, she agreed, that we would walk to Notre Dame. Guess who went the wrong way? <laughs> Moi. We walked a long way along the Seine, and I discovered we were going the wrong way. She was ticked. <laughs> Did she have a right to be ticked? Yeah. Absolutely. I thought I was on the other side of the river. I mean, good night. I look back and I think, I'm stupid. What does it mean when the Holy Spirit taught me how to relate to Elizabeth when she was really, really mad at me? And I've got a picture of leaning on the wall overlooking the scene with her sobbing. And I'm thinking, how do I relate to this? And I'm praying like crazy, and God gave me exactly the right attitude and words and we connected deeply in that moment of deep pain for both of us. That's what the Holy Spirit will teach you. That's what the Holy Spirit will teach you, if you ask. He is the advocate to be with you forever. 
the world cannot accept him because it doesn't seem, but you know him. He lives with you and will be in you, this comforter. So he's the Holy Spirit who is with us forever. Now, the relationship may vary, but he's with us forever. And what we find here is Jesus was with us in the flesh for a while. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us forever. That's a promise to children of God. It's true. Now, the experience is a different thing. You may not experience the presence of the Spirit, but he's with us. This word paraclete, he is our advocate. Advocate here is an idea. Well, we look at this Romans chapter 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how it ought to pray for the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. That's an advocate. An advocate is somebody who takes us in our weakness and goes and stands beside us and speaks to we who are powerless to the powers so that we can be well represented and speak. That's what he's talking about. We don't know how we ought to pray, so he speaks with wordless groans. Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God, Romans chapter 8. And a little later in that same chapter, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Father and Son and Holy Spirit in this Trinitarian, this intercession, this talking to, so the intercessor is part of what he does. But it didn't stop there. He's our comforter. He's the one who comes with groans when we don't know what to do. And comforter comfort can be, you know, the counselor. The Holy Spirit can help us sort emotions, like my emotions as Elizabeth is sobbing beside me there in her hurt and anger. I had a lot of anger, a lot of, lot, not anger, a lot of emotions. My primary emotion, I'm a helper, and I'm feeling completely helpless in that moment. And the Holy Spirit in that moment, because I was praying like crazy, I was praying like wise, actually. And the Holy Spirit is working in my life to help me understand how to respond to Elizabeth and respond in a godly grandpa kind of way. That's important what the Holy Spirit does, but it's more than that. See, come forth means with strength. He strengthened me in my feeling of helplessness in that moment to become a presence, a powerful connecting presence with Elizabeth. That's what he does, the Holy Spirit does. Just to complete a bit of the story, later that night at the Rinder Connects, we were sitting in their living room and Elizabeth reached out and started playing footsie with me on the, on the, not that I was unhappy about that or anything. Advocate to help. And that's another thing, he is our helper. Now he's the helper, not the do for her. He helps us do it, he doesn't do it for us. He is the encourager. Encourage, cour is the word heart in French. He strengthens our heart to know what to do and how to do it wisely and well. This is the work of the Holy Spirit for those whose identity is child of God, born of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. He helps us, well, some specifics. One of the things he helps us love Jesus and the Father you say, well, man, that's easy. I love Jesus. Do you really? See, this is a challenging passage because it talks about loving the Father, loving Jesus. 
What does verse 15 say? If you love Jesus, what do you do? What do you do? Keep his commandments. Wait a minute. I, I love you. What's this keep commandment nonsense? Well, that's what love is about. Is loving means seek to please, seek to do the best for. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, the one who loves me, he says. Verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. See, I people all the time, oh, I love Jesus. Why don't you do what he says? Oh, that's different. No, it's not. If I say I love Sherry and then speak badly of her or ignore her, or all those, I'm not loving her. See, that word love is a much, much abused term in our society. So Jesus has to define it. But it doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit helps us keep commandments. So here's a certain thing that says, and I've seen this in parenting relationships, I love you, kid, as long as you do what I say. But as soon as you start getting to me, I hate you, kid. You know, and cut off and those kind of things. No, the Holy Spirit, God himself, helps us keep commandments. It's not like us trying to get him to help us. He's already there to help us. We'll receive his help as a key thing. So I want to take you through a passage here. Verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So commandment keeper is the one who loves me. So when you see loves me, thinks, think obedient one. Got that? When you see loves me, it means responsive or relational obedient one. And he goes on, whoever loves me, which means what? What does it mean? Yeah, you don't get to pass out there. Come on, pay attention. What does love me mean? It means obedient. So the obedient one, this next phrase is challenging, will be past, present, or future. Past, present, or future? It's future. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. This is the result of obedience. Now, there's different levels of love. Jesus loves everyone enough to die for them. But he's saying here's a different level of love for the obedient, responsive, relational children. will be loved by the Father, and I too will love them. Again, result of obedience and will show myself to them. As a result of obedience, I will show myself to them. Intimate relationship is a result of working to please the Father and working to please Jesus. You can't separate that intimate relationship with that desire to please the Father. And look, a lot of people say, I don't experience God's presence. Well, here may be a problem because what you're looking for here is to experience his love. The Holy Spirit will help us keep his commandments. He will help us experience the love that's there in any case. But the experience of love is a variable, for sure. And the intimacy is a variable, for sure. Jesus said so. I hear people say all the time, oh, you can't make God love you anymore, love you any less. Yeah, you can. Disobey him and he'll spank you. Take away privileges. That's not loving. Well, actually it is. 
but it's a dimension of love we don't usually associate with the word love. So here it is here. Anyone who loves me will obey, that's obedient. My teaching my father will love them. That's the result of obedience, so verse 23. And we will come to them, that's into a relationship, and make our home with them, that's experience their love. Jesus says it twice in two verses. That intimate relation with God is immediately connected to our responsive relational pleasing the Father desire. And the Holy Spirit will help us do that. And people in the body will help you do that because we want you to experience that deep relationship like I experienced there on the wall overlooking the scene as my granddaughter sobbing her heart out in anger and pain. I need that help. Big time. Big time. He wants us to experience their love. And he does. Peace I leave to you. He helps us receive their peace. Now, peace is, again, one of those words that has a wide variety. You don't have time to unpack it here. But the world's peace, I found the perfect picture of the world's picture of peace. Right? I mean, what can you say? Everything's right there, right there. The beach is there, palm trees are there, lawns there, uh, the bath is there. I mean, it's, this is it. There are no cobras in this thing, no mosquitoes. I mean, this is peace, right? Well, in one sense, that's true. But see, Jesus' peace is a different kind of peace. Because it means be like Jesus. And Jesus' peace is his belief that the Father is in me and I'm doing the will of the Father as he washes feet of a man who's going to betray him and a man who's going to deny him and a whole bunch of men who didn't understand him. And then he goes through there to the Garden of Gethsemane and the cross and peace in the midst of that. That's not absence of trouble. This is not some mystic decoupling. This is not absolute tranquility of mind. It's in the reality of really troubled times, knowing I'm a child of God and God is showing me how to proceed in absolutely soul-wrecking kinds of things. Different kind of peace. John 14, peace I live with you, my peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid, he says. John 16, Jay used this last week. I've told you these things so you may be, have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He promises it will not be trouble-free, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You are in me, I am in you. So people in the world walk by sight and depend on externals. When the externals go away, peace goes away. Children of God, Christians walk by faith and depend on eternals. What is that? I'm child of the Lord Most High. I can go anywhere if I'm going in the will and presence of the triune God. And man, that'll take you in tough spaces. Man, that can take you in tough spaces. What's it like if you're in the Garden of Gethsemane? And the agony is beyond measure. See, there can be peace there because I know I'm a child of God. I'm on the mission of God. That's the peace he's talking about. That's Warren Wiersbe's quote. I appreciate what he said. The Holy Spirit helps us be like Jesus. That was his summarize. See, that's the key is being like him. 
in all the dimensions of his life, be like Jesus. And you think, oh, that'd be great. I'd love to be Jesus. Okay, can you be like Jesus and not have a Judas in your life? Can you be like Jesus and not have Pharisees after you? Can you be like Jesus and not in a garden of Gethsemane? Can you be like Jesus and not go to a cross? See, it's not just the high moments of intimate prayer on a mountaintop where Holy Spirit speaks to you. And those are real. What do you do in your garden? And you're all alone. Even your friends can't stand with you. He said, help us be like Jesus. Help us love God. Even the times when it's Psalm 13, have you forgotten me long? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And you can still say with verse 6, yet I will trust in your unfailing love. At the same time, it seems God has forgotten you. The Holy Spirit will help you do that. To obey out of that love, not in order to get the foundational love, but because I'm loved of the Father, I will love back and experience that intimate relationship, is what he's saying. To sense God's reality and love in the midst of a world that's toxic to God. To love even in troubling times. And refuse to take Satan's agenda and blame God for the trouble instead of Satan and, and the world and the brokenness of that. To seek, receive, and live by God's truth is what the Holy Spirit will do. And God, God's perspective on life. Worship team, you want to come on up here? So there's deep confidence in His grace. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And the question that we keep coming back to is, do you believe this? Because it's not easy. The Holy Spirit will help you believe it. When I see that, I always think back to that question of Jesus. I think back to the man with the demonized boy. The disciples couldn't cast the demon out. And Jesus comes and Jesus said to them, if you can, these things are all things are possible to one who believes. That's like Jesus' statement back earlier that John uh, Jay talked about last week. If you ask anything in my name, you can do all things for one who believes. And the man responds like me. Immediately one of the father child said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Even when I can't believe because I'm just not strong enough, the Holy Spirit will help me if I ask. If I ask. Remember this one? Who's the one who loves me? Who is that? The one who loves me? That's the obedient one. The responsive, relational. The one who loves me, the responsive, I want to please my father person, will be loved by my father. And I will love him and show myself to them. You want the intimacy of the Holy Spirit? This is one way to do it. Commit yourself to doing what God asks you to do. And I ask you in just a minute to take some time here and just ponder with the help of Holy Spirit, where are those places where Father's asking me to do some stuff and I'm not doing it? The Holy Spirit will help you. He will show it to you. Then he'll help you 
deal with it and know how to respond in that way. When you're feeling totally helpless, that's when God's at his best. But you have to go to him instead of hiding your shame. Another passage that I love, Exodus 33, Moses before the God of the universe. If I have found favor in your sight, Moses says, and that's true. If I found favor in your sight, that's true. Then he says, please let me know your ways. That's work of Holy Spirit. So that I may know you so that I might find favor in your sight. See, that's the cycle of the infant fellowship. And we're going to take a little time in prayer here in just a couple minutes. Because I want you to focus on that. Lord, I have found favor in your sight. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. So I can know you. Deep, personal, infant fellowship. So I can find favor in your sight. And Jesus himself put it this way. You know how to get good gifts to your father. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And what I want to do here is we have some music going in the background. For a couple minutes at least, I want you to take some time to pray and ask Father to give you the Holy Spirit, to give you the experience of the Holy Spirit, to give you the help of the Holy Spirit, to give you the advocacy and the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Move among us, I pray. Show us those ways where we have hard hearts or self-centered hearts. Show us the Father. Show us the Lord Jesus Christ. Show us ourselves in light of the love of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit as we take some time to ponder before you here this morning. I just think of the joy of the Holy Spirit that comes in most troubled times. And the heart of it is, I am a child of the Lord Most High. That's, that's where it's at. That's the heart of it. Is that reality and the Holy Spirit helps us understand that He cries to our heart, Abba, Father. We'll have prayer teams off to the side here. We invite you to come and pray with them. The communion elements are still there. Uh, we're going to do next steps, next door, free coffee. I mean, who can knock it? Uh, just to connect in. Some of you here in the room need to talk. Talk to any of us that got one of these things on. Talk to any of you up here on stage. Maybe you're saying, you know, I've never, ever heard the Holy Spirit. Let me suggest something to you. Take this passage. John 14, 15 through 31. Take a time out on a beach overlooking like the peace picture there. Maybe it's just in your living room or some quiet place. Best with a friend you can trust. Open that passage. Pray a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, show me what this means to me as child of the Lord Most High. And just read that slowly, out loud responsively and then pray that prayer Holy Spirit speak 
And whatever comes in your mind at that next few minutes is almost certainly God himself speaking to you. And just ask the question, Holy Spirit, I want to live, I want to live in light of your love. Help me receive your truth, whatever it looks like. We're a place that believes Holy Spirit to continue to speak, primarily through Scripture, but beyond that as well. I invite you to do that today, soon, every day. Holy Spirit, we receive the promise that you're with us, in us, that you empower us, you advocate for us, you intercede for us, you help us, you encourage us, you comfort us. Lord, we need it. There's so much agony, anguish, conflict in our world. We need your peace. The peace that comes know that we're children of the Lord Most High because the work of Jesus Christ who came to live among us, die for our sins, be resurrected for newness of life, give us honor for our shame, give us belonging for our lostness. Jesus, you are at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Please intercede. You pour out the Holy Spirit on us. We receive that. Help us live in that reality, Holy Spirit, and deepen our life with the triune God and with the fellowship of Grace Community Church on the mission of Jesus Christ to take goodness to the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.